something different this way comes something something different something different something different this way comes something something different something different I'm Heather McLeod. Today, I'm going to take you on a tour to the Northwest Climate Gathering 2023 Hope and Action, which was just recently held. I'm going to lead you around, show you some what happened, talk about what hit my heart the hardest. Starting the day before, at the tech check at the baggage building, for which I kept Ben out of school, and Ken, Ken Shields, donated his lunch hour. Ken is old enough to retire, if he wanted to, which he's not quite ready to do, or so he told me. Ben, of course, is 15. And although interested and raised within tech to a level that humbles me, Ben's not got experience, really, in any of the things I volunteered him to do. I had this vision, because he's he's so quick to solve issues that stymie me, that he would just kind of be moored where the action was centered when it came to technology, where the computer that was broadcasting it virtually and the sound system that was amplifying it into the room and the projector that was putting the visuals onto the screen and also sharing visuals with the people on Zoom, where all that was happening. Ben would be there and when things went awry, he could come to the rescue. And when I told him that, he was not delighted. He was far from delighted. In fact, he told me, Mom, you are completely misunderstanding my capacities. I'm going to be terrible at this. Please don't make me do it. I made him do it. But I didn't make him do it alone. And Ken Shields stepped up and said, I'll help. So here we have two people, a couple generations apart. And uh, the first moment that struck my heart so hard in this weekend was the day before the action really took place when Ken and Ben and I are trying to make all these bits and bobs work together. We'd borrowed some from here and assembled some from there and collected some from the other place. They'd never been a cohesive technology system before. And there was a bit of a crisis, a loop going down or something that wouldn't talk. I don't even remember what it was. But Ben was able to solve the problem and explain to Ken why his solution worked. And Ken was so appreciative and celebratory that I could just see Ben's shoulders drop and his spine straight and tall and he looked as proud and confident as my worried early teen ever does. That was a wonderful moment. There were a lot of moments like that though. This was an assembly of some people that have known each other in many ways for a long time and many people who had never really rubbed shoulders before. People of different generations, different focus, people of different tenure. There were people coming to this gathering who had just lived here a few months or years and others for whom, you know, Thunder Bay, Northwestern Ontario, that's that's been where they live their whole life long. Their roots here are deep. And all of that brought me joy. If that was all we'd done was bring this particular group of people together to enjoy their time with one another and build connection, that would have been so cool. But that wasn't all that we aimed to do. That was kind of what we started with. And then as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, Becca May Oluwola, in my first conversation with her, said, you know, I would I would love to see Thunder Bay as a community coming together and deciding what they want to do and working together to realize those goals, but I do not want to waste my precious time at another talk fest. She said, Canada, you are very good at wasting your time getting together to talk about things and never getting around to doing anything about what you were talking about. And I thought, oh, okay, well, 
Becca May's only been in Canada two years. She is a major maker of things happen. Tons of experience in that field. It's not about wealth and it's not about privilege. It's about doing your job well and respectfully. And we'll talk more about how she shared her insight into that because she did come, because we did deliver a commitment to action. And mostly because Becca May said, this is important. It should be part of how you plan to structure things. And um, at the end, on the Sunday, after the two days were almost over, just before we sat down for our last meal together to wrap it all up, we spent an hour and tried to decide what actions were going to come out of this. And I started with a piece of paper that said, what, who, when, and I had to get a second piece of paper. So many hands went up, so many ideas were put forward and commitments were made. We needed two great big pieces of paper taped to the wall. So this worked. It not only brought the community together, it got us galvanized. There was hope sparked, there was action started. And I couldn't be more delighted. Hope and action is hard. We needed to set parameters to help make that what came out of this time together. Because worries, and I've said this before, worries find us like heat-seeking missiles to our souls. Joy, peace, hope, and the confidence to take action. Those things, you know, you have to work on those. You kind of have to seek them out. They won't be found with bluster and bustle. The good things, the ones that make our lives sweet and worth living, joy, peace, and hope, they require us to make space for them, quiet, watchful, open-hearted, humble space, to practice noticing and cherishing what is good in our lives. Because... It's really easy not to pay attention to that and take it for granted until we lose it. And that's too late, isn't it? That's too late. What is good in our life is multiple. There's so many things to notice and cherish. But you have to work and make a practice of cherishing and noticing and making space for them and valuing that space. It is a practice. It's not a talent. Although if you grew up in a household that practiced it, You might seem to have a talent for it, but we're not wired that way. We're wired to focus on our worries. And there are so many ancient cultures that teach us these practices of noticing, cherishing, rooting in, connecting, quiet, valuing of what is good. And so when we started the gathering, we had a thank you and a blessing by Elder Sheila de Court, drawing our hearts in gratitude not just to one another, although certainly to that, but also to this place, giving thanks for the waters, the mountain, the air and wind, all of the many blessings that surround us that are so easy to take for granted. Our very hearts and and ears, our compassion and words, our every sense, she made time for and space for us to start by cherishing. And then she was joined by her sisters, the Sisters of Turtle Island Drum Group. And together they led us to start in a good way with their songs, which was beautiful and grounding. And then 
We had a few housekeeping notices, you know, where the bathrooms are, that kind of stuff. Madison Dyke, whose idea was the gathering, and I also spent some time to orient people to some of the ways we hope to keep making space and giving value to hope and expectations for the two days. I had put up on the wall behind us. I'd gotten Willow Springs to make for me four signs. One said hope, one said action, and they were bright, colorful. And the other two, one said Eeyores, and the other said naysayers, and they were both crossed out. So I said, please make space for hope and action by managing your worries while you're here at the gathering. Because worries will join us. They will poke and prod and draw attention to themselves. There is so good reason to worry. We're, we're talking about a crisis here. So they will be here among us. And that's okay. That's okay. We can deal with that. We will even make space for it. We had a wall where you could write down your worries, give them a place. But the thing with worries is when you let them steer the boat, they mess with our sense of time. They make us say, never. When really we mean, it could take years might take longer than my lifetime, which is not never. Fears make us think impossible when what we really mean is you can't predict how exactly it could come to be. It's never happened before. It would be hard, which is not impossible. My mom, whom I have profiled on this podcast before, Faye Martin and her Paolo Frieri two-step, My mom has a word for those fear and fatigue-triggered thoughts. She calls them Eeyores and naysayers. And all my growing up, she would ban them from any conversation about problem-solving. Instead, she'd say, turn those thoughts around and consider instead what good looks like. The other side of that thought is what good looks like. It's a little scary. It might ask things of us we've never done before. We kind of want to hide from it. It doesn't attract itself to us like a fear does. But that's where the hope is. That's where the action lies. That's where the solutions are hiding. What does good look like? So the other tool of my mother's that we had up on the wall, we made use of after every single topic. There were nine topics. I mean, climate change. The climate is the entire world. So everything, everything needs to change in one way or another in order for us to truly address this crisis and not only get through it, but draw back down the carbon and reestablish a more stable climate for us to flourish once again in. we got to get through the crisis to a more stable climate. And, And in order to get from the problem of too much carbon in the air, which is really a problem of a way of dealing with our world as the dominant species on it, to that future ultimate goal of having drawn down that excess carbon, changed our ways of doing things that led to this problem, and figured out how to do things in a way that is sustainable and allows us to flourish once again in a more stable climate. To get through all those, there's so everything is involved, absolutely everything, overwhelming, but also so inviting, because all of these are good changes. They really are. We're losing things that weigh us down and worry us. We're gaining things that lift us up and give us joy and confidence and faith in our future. 
so the the way we use this uh, this tool that my mom uh, gifted us with that I made great big copies of and put on the wall, start by saying what exactly is your problem? Give it clear words. Then what is the first and most immediate obstacle, the thing making it hard to solve this problem? And what are some of the most at hand likely resources that might help you solve the problem? And then putting them in order. I have to solve this before I can get to that, but that does need to get solved before I get to where I'm going. String them out so they give yourself direction and you break up the kind of circular thinking that worries tend to engender in us by looking beyond the worries, stretching them into obstacles, resources, actions, responses, as best you can, so that you can reach what good looks like. You can reach a solution. You can even imagine it. That's the first step. So after every single of the topics, there's nine topics we settled on for this first gathering. Each one of them has a myriad of subtopics and perspectives and problems to overcome and solutions to develop and explore and flesh out and realize and implement. But as you came out of each of those topics, we asked people to name a hope they had for an action that will lead to what good looks like and put it on that timeline. Is it immediate? Is it interim? Is it ultimate? Where does it go? So I introduced Eeyore's, Naysayer's, Hope Action, and our Hope's Progress Planning Tool. And Madison introduced the many, many leaders who had put their heads together to come up with the subtopics and topics and ways to explore all the things that we tackled over those two days, as well as feeding everybody, cleaning up, setting up all of the ways that people came together to help make this all happen. It was really wonderful. So that's how we opened the gathering. And then Kira Essex and I introduced the first topic of those nine. And the first topic we called Talking About Talking and Actions That Speak. And if you haven't yet listened to my conversation with Kira Essex of a couple of weeks ago, I hope you do. She's so thoughtful and generous and good company. In fact, here is the song I wrote for that episode, inspired by my conversation with her.
water it calls me That's the song I wrote for Kira Essex, who led a whole group of people into conversation and contemplation of practicing connection, building relationship with our place, the land, the water, the air, the non-human living creatures, and our moment in time. Rooting that conversation in her own practice, taking a daily photograph of Lake Superior, which she shared at the gathering. They were projected on the wall. It was beautiful. And I'm going to share with you many songs in today's episode because many people that I've talked to and written songs for were a part of this gathering. And it kind of breaks up me talking. So why not, right? That's why it's a little on the long side. Lots of songs. It'll be fun. Kira, by the way, was not the only speaker when she was sharing her stories and and gathering people together to talk about connection and to think about connection. Hers was one of three breakout sessions. That's how we organize things in order to be inclusive of people with different focuses, different ways of interacting, different ways of learning. We tried to have a contrasting series of topics and you could plot your way through the day in a way that really kept you nourished and engaged and happy to be there. There were four planned actually in that first topic, but Kevin Brooks at the last moment had to bail. He was unable to join us until Sunday afternoon because the basketball team that he coaches made it to the finals, which is a great reason to not be able to go where you plan to be. He was in Guelph that weekend for those finals until Sunday afternoon. He did join us again before we were done. So that left Kira's workshop, me gathering up people who wanted to talk about Catherine Hayhoe. I'll put a link to her website in the notes. I've talked about her often. Climate scientist, a leader who has come around to advising people to really be thoughtful and skilled conversationalists that manage to talk about the climate crisis with all types of people. And her thinking on how to do that is to avoid trying to educate or convert by facts and instead focus on relationships, listening, finding points of common interest, and building from there. You find what you both agree on 
and then share an action or a goal or even just an emotional connection to it. And in that way, everybody can be included in the transformation that's necessary. You got this counter push right now to make it a binary, a conflict-laden topic and something that people can deny. Deny all you want, <laughs> whatevs. There's still changes that need to happen and, and you can be a part of it. It's wonderful to listen to her and think about it, but it is hard to try to change a familiar pattern of conversation with somebody in your life. You know, a relative you might see over the holidays or um, a colleague you see at work all the time or a neighbor that you chat with and, and turn it into something that includes climate action and building of connections and doesn't trip over those sorts of potential binary conflicts. I'm right, you're wrong. How do I convert you to my position? So we had a little group and we just kicked around that idea and tried to support each other in imagining and preparing to change up those everyday conversations in our lives and, and make them be impactful as climate activists. Really felt fabulous to talk with other people and, and get their ideas and support for this notion that every conversation matters and we can make a difference just by how we choose to talk to one another. So that's Kira and me. The third group was hybrid. So we made this whole event hybrid. We had a group that joined us through Zoom, and they were part of this next workshop, which was led by Matt Roy, who is a teacher and a performer, I have to say. He's just got charisma and joy. A lot of fun to spend time with Matt Roy. So he put up a picture of a troll and, and promised to help people understand the psychology of changing people's minds how to engage with climate deniers. And lots of people were really interested and engaged in his workshop. I didn't attend it myself, but when I did come upstairs to gather everybody up for the wrap, I saw these groups of people intently bent over their worksheets, trying to put their heads together and get better at this difficult job of how do you manage trolls and, and, and climate deniers? And how do you manage yourself so that you can speak truth online and not feel like that's a dangerous thing to do. So the, the mingling also between those groups, that the people whose heads stood together were the gray next to the tossle-headed youngster, like there is this mixing of generations and interests that was also really lovely to say. We did have one other person who had intended to stand up and introduce himself and his organization within this first topic, right off the hop, Dave Spies. But he got sick, so he couldn't make it. Dave Spies is the Thunder Bay chapter lead of the group Protect Our Winters. And I talked to him just a couple weeks ago. So here's the song I wrote, inspired by my conversation with him a little bit earlier this season. Protect our winters, we've just got this planet, and we've got today. Let's all make a difference in what we do what we say protect our winters face to face with a bear at Harborview and Balmoral stop traffic while company neighbors in the city that cares protect our winters we've just got this planet we've got today 
Let's all make a difference in what we do and what we say. Protect our winters. Our outdoor bucket list weekly adventures. Ski, surf, and even skateboard in a day thunder bay. What we say, protect our winters. I found myself laughing as I skied downhill. In the fresh air, the beauty and the company of so many people who care. Protect our winters. We've just got today. Let's all make a difference in what we do and what we say. Protect our winters with what we do and with what we say. Protect our winters. Protect our winters. The name of the group that Dave Spies is a leader within and has made a part of Thunder Bay just lately. He wasn't able to join us at the gathering after all, but I know he was with us in spirit. And certainly in that first topic, talking about talking and actions that speak. The second topic was engaging successfully with government and corporations, part one. It too was missing one of the expected leaders, Warren Bernauer, planned to travel from Winnipeg on his own penny to be with us prepared a whole presentation about a community engaging with the environmental assessment process impactfully with some amazing information to share that I really hope we can get people out to see and, and help support him organizing here in the city sometime soon. But he got sick, as did his whole family, all the kids and everybody, so he couldn't join us at the last minute, which left us with two leaders for this topic. The two leaders were Summer Stevenson and Madison Dyke. Now, Summer is the sustainability coordinator for the city of Thunder Bay. I have to admit that most cities our size, most cities across the world now, have whole departments of sustainability coordination with many, many people. But as far as I can tell, Summer pretty much stands alone. She works with everybody else and tries to support their work with this hat on. But boy, that's a narrow needle to try to push all of the change that needs to happen at the municipal level through. So she's one of my heroes. I don't envy her her job. And I was so glad she made time to join us and be a part of this weekend. She was there all weekend, just really adding so much information and energy and positivity to the gathering. And I interviewed Summer as well on this podcast, but before I was writing songs for my guests. So I'm not able to throw a song in for her quite yet. Maybe I'll have to do that for her another day. One of the things she brought was information on what the city has decided they want to do. All of the declarations we've made, our net zero strategy, our sustainability plans. But in this hour, she offered a workshop because making a deputation to council is daunting. 
but it's also a really impactful way to show your support for things the city has said they'll do, but kind of doesn't necessarily have to fund right now, might not get around to it, might kind of overpromise, underdeliver on if there's not vocal and informed support from the people of Thunder Bay. And how do the people of Thunder Bay vocalize what their support is and the information that's informing their support? Deputization, presentation, little 10 minutes in front of council, very impactful, but kind of daunting. So she has this workshop that she's done with teenagers, and she made it even shorter and more concise for the gathering to help people understand how to go about that, why to do it, how to do it. And she got a good crowd out that really got a lot out of it. So I hope that we'll see more people with more confidence sharing with council what they'd like to see and why, not just what worries them as well, sometimes what they'd like to see more of, what they support. A balance of both would be so much more impactful. It's easier to rally support around a worry, hmm? just like fear than it is to dare to ask people to support an action, a hope. But if you have a balance of both, you're going to have better decision-making. The other presenter I've already mentioned before, Madison Dyke. Madison's the one who said, we need to do something. I want to gather people together. I want to get different generations of leaders in one place, collaborating and getting to know each other. Madison Dyke Uh, spoke about engaging successfully with government because that's what she's done for the last five years. She's part of a group of young people from across Ontario that have been suing the provincial government led by Doug Ford for violating their charter rights in failing to hold up commitments previously made towards climate action. And much has happened in those five years. Much has been learned, much has been accomplished, and she shared it all chairs were pulled up. The group was pretty big and very engaged as Madison shared her story and her thoughts and took people's questions. It was really interesting, really lovely to see. And I hope one day to share that story with you on this show. She's a busy woman. (laughs) We managed to organize this gathering together. We think we only actually were in the same place at the same time for the weekend and for maybe two meetings before it all happened. The rest of the time it was emails and text messages and phone calls and just a lot of delegation between one another. Boy, oh boy, she is a force to be reckoned with, is Madison Dyke, and she did an amazing job. I can't wait to share that conversation with you. First, I have to have it, though. So probably next season is my guest, just knowing what I know about how busy she is. Now, it was time then for lunch. And in lieu of serving you food, which is hard to do in a podcast, I'm going to play you another song. The song I wrote for Judy Vinnie, who was there, here, there, everywhere, because Willow Springs was engaged to cater the event. Willow Springs does so many impactful, inspiring things so well. You probably will think of them first as a catering firm. But one of the initiatives they've started over the last few years is an innovative, individualized mentorship and training program around making food. And that was who made the salads and soups, the bread and pasta that we enjoyed at the gathering. So as I mentioned, I wrote a song for Judy after interviewing her at Willow Springs last season. This is her song. Judy under the apple tree Gathering children happily Making Solving, teaching, laughing, growing, and opening to 
Come sit at our table, come grow your own garden, come join me in mine, life is richer when we dig in, life is richer. Gathering children happily Making, doing, solving, teaching Laughing, growing and opening Judy Growing old with her apple tree Welcome neighbor Come chat table let's share work and plenty let's help and we'll comfort life is richer when we help one another Judy, Vinny, and Willow Springs cater the main dishes at the gathering. We did invite potluck as well. A lot of people said they would or might. Not as many people showed up with food as I hoped, but there was just the right amount of food, so maybe it was all good in the end, including a pot of beans that got a lot of love that I'm going to talk about in just a minute. I also want to give a huge shout-out to Swell Bakery here in Thunder Bay. They donated two huge boxes of delicious cookies. 
Now, Swell Bakery is a bit of a legend in my household because we have seen the lineups of people waiting to go buy the food there before it opens and never yet join that line in time to get there before they're all sold out. Talk about a reputation. So I was super excited to uh, meet the baker and eat the cookies, and they were amazing. I was so glad to have them there, and that was just such a delicious way to support the gathering. By the way, we also we chose to rent Plates Mugs Cutlery for this Saturday. It was at the baggage building, which doesn't have a kitchen, doesn't have service of its own like that. But we didn't want to throw out stuff. It's a it's a climate gathering. <laughs> and it actually wasn't all that expensive. It was comparably pretty much the same price to have real plates and dishes that we just had to rinse off briefly and then send them back. So that was a choice we made that I feel really good about, actually. The only garbage, there is only like one little bag of paper recycling and then a bunch of compost that Willow Springs is taken back to compost. So that's perfect. I mean, so great. I love that kind of stuff. And then after lunch, the next topic, we gathered again to very, very briefly introduce a whole bunch of breakout sessions, a topic we called action speaking rather than words. We just wanted to let people know what was going on and send them out to make connections and get their hands onto some activities. Outside the building, there was a Science North tent. So cool. Science North sponsored us by providing that sound system I mentioned and the projector. And then they had this tent outside where people wandering by that were curious could kind of get a clue as to what was going on. And some of them just turned right around, you know, opened the door and came in and joined us. We had a good 40 drop-ins that had not registered but came anyways. And I'm sure the Science North tent out front had something at least to do with that. But in this hour, we sent people actively out to go and take part in their hands-on climate science activities just outside the front door. Also drawing people outside in that hour was the Biking Vikings. There's a whole bunch of people with the gear that helps them bicycle throughout Thunder Bay winters, but also the tips, obstacles between a winter cyclist and their destination across this city, and to gather a little more understanding of why people do this, how they do it, how you can support them in doing it, and make it something easier for more of us to do. So it's less of an obstacle course and an act of courage that takes special tools, and more something open to everybody, like a towns in northern Finland where they have deeper, darker winters than ours and just as sprawling a suburban-like landscape as ours but they've made active transport a priority and people have taken them up on it. It's so much cheaper. It's so much cheaper if it's a cleared bike lane to bike places than to have to worry about parking and even busing. At any rate, the Biking Vikings who were gathered there and organized by Ken Shields who I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. He volunteered to be our tech crew chief for the weekend. He's an amazing guy, and I am going to interview him very soon. You're going to hear a full-on conversation with Ken and all the things that he does. It's a long list soon here on Something Different This Way Comes. Absolutely. That was outside. Inside, simultaneously, three more breakout sessions that gathered people inside like moths to flames. In one corner, we had Lisa Prosek. She was leading a workshop to develop a guide to climate action in our everyday lives, from daily decisions to political actions. A lot of really engaged conversations and exchanges of information there. It was lovely to see. 
in this corner over there, we had Nancy Saunders talking about the Thunder Bay Repair Cafe, which Ben and I are proud volunteers with. And it was so wonderful to see more people showing an interest and, and thinking about going to the next cafe, which is coming up next week, actually very soon, and maybe even just digging through their closets to find the things that could be given new life at a repair cafe and and give that owner a chance to better understand what they own and become a repair person themselves, at least when it comes to fixing that thing. And then the final group out there became a bit of a theme for the weekend. It was Lucy Lavoie and Ken Deacon. And they were there to, to kind of introduce the idea of growing your own food, keeping your own food, being urban gardeners in this city, being local locavores. But they focused their conversation around beans and some of the heritage beans that they grow and appreciate and had shared some of them at that pot of beans that was such a hit at lunch. Well, grow more beans, eat more beans, heritage beans. That was something people really connected with and talked about a lot. When I went to look at those Hope's Progress forms with all the little stickers that people had put their hopes on after each topic, beans was there a lot. (laughs) Beans was a major theme. It was so cool. And Lucy Lavoie, of course, was my guest most recently here on the show. And for her, I wrote a song celebrating the vision she has for us here in Thunder Bay, this sprawling, spread out city with so much lawn she would love to see transformed. This is Lucy's vision. Front yards full of all that is wild Backyards bursting with food It beguiles Children playing Neighbors saying How good it is living here How good it is living here I'd go to the garden stand in the trees Look up at my pole beans Dig toes in the soil so good it feels 
front yard's full of all that is wild. Backyard's bursting with food, it beguiles children playing, neighbors saying, how good it is living here, how good was Lucy's vision. The energy and joy was palpable during the hour we titled Action Speaking Rather Than Words. And then we all gathered together again. We were all spread out to all those different activities. Everybody gathered together again in one space for engaging successfully with corporations and government part two. The two leaders this time around were each a total coup for me to bring to the gathering. Kevin Brooks had suggested we approach Becca May Olawola. And I've talked a little bit about her already as somebody who helped shape and inform what we tried to do in these two days. She's only been here two years. She's from Nigeria. She fills many roles as an entrepreneur, as a not-for-profit leader, as a consultant. She works with corporations, helping them change their culture and expectations and way of doing things to be more sustainable and more respectful and uh, effectively engaged with the communities their work impacts. She tackles the toughest sectors. She will work with oil and gas extraction companies. When she comes from the part of Nigeria that has been most devastated by the way those industries have done their work in her traditional territories. She is a woman of a big brain and a bigger heart. And I was really interested to see what she wanted to share under this topic in this time. And I paired her up with my other great, for me, coup of the gathering, who flew in just like Becca May to be sure to be here on time. And that's Richard Wong. I think Richard only came really because of our long-standing friendship. We just reconnected. We've known each other since we were 12 or 13, 14 years old, but haven't seen much of each other for decades. And when I reached out to him to say, there's this gathering and what you know, I think is something that would just add so much. Who do you think I could engage here in Thunder Bay that might bring your, your side of things, your depth of understanding to things? He said, why not just bring me? And he came on his own dime, in his own time. He spent a weekend 
with us, went straight from the airport to the gathering and stayed until Sunday. We'd finish cleaning up and help pack up the vehicles and and sweep up the floors. He was 110% there. And he and Becca May connected in the weeks beforehand to think about how they would like to spark our thinking at this gathering under the topic of engaging successfully with corporations and business. So why Richard is a coup is as a lawyer, he has for 15 or 20 years been a national leader in helping figure out how to do big development projects that we've never done in Canada before. 15, 20 years ago, it was big solar and wind farms. Now it's more like battery storage and alternate fuels, stuff like that. I mean, I really can't keep track of all the things that he's been involved in because at this point, he's consulted, he puts together the right people, and then he helps guide the process. He's not a one-man operation at all. He's got an inside take on many, many things right across the country. And because big companies tend to be international and big projects tend to have international impact, that's also an international perspective on things. So what were these two people with such an international take, such a broader than Thunder Bay realm of experience to bring to the thought of hope and action for this place? Well, they talked about culture. And they talked about precedent. So Becca May said, when you want to engage successfully with a corporation or a government, Treat them as you would like them to treat you. Be culturally humble. There is a culture to business, to government. Respect the work that they have done, the goals they have set, the way they think of their job, so that when you try to encourage them to change, they can hear what you're saying. You're putting it into the perspective that they have started with. You're using words they can understand. You're using the goals they have set and you're helping them see how your suggestion will support those goals or why those goals should shift in order to meet their greater goals, whatever their mandate might be. There's nobody out there trying to be a bad guy. There's literally nobody out there trying to be a bad guy. There are cultures that have decided that they can't be responsible for things that they should be responsible for. And those that have decided that, you know, there's going to be casualties in order to meet their objective and their objective is so valuable that the casualties are inevitable. And if you can save them from the casualties, they can't say no. It's not that they're there for the casualties. They've just thought that they couldn't avoid them. So if you really want to engage to successfully realize change, you need to commit with respect, do your research, show up as an equal, and give what you want to receive. Give some cultural humility, give some research, give respect. And I have to say, both Becca May and Richard are very sweet people, super smart (laughs) and articulate. And so what I also heard in their body language was don't come in angry and petulant and expecting to lose. Come in expecting to be met halfway, expecting success, clear on what your goals are and that they are achievable and they're positive for everyone involved. 
They really focused their conversation about what we dare to hope for and how we prepare for a conversation that could transform a relationship, transform a system, change a culture. And they also talked about persistence. They said, you know, often when you come in and propose a significant change, big organizations, big systems don't change quickly. It has to kind of get digested and trickle through. And you might not seem to have had any impact. But if you do come back a second time, they might already have made some changes when you weren't looking so that they're farther along than you expected when you come back and ask a second time. And so it will continue. The more that you interact, the more you transform. Persistence is key. Respect is key. And so is owning your power. Richard had a list of huge projects that had happened with tiny communities gaining half ownership, shaping their direction right here in northwestern Ontario. He said, you know, if you know what you want... If you spend the time figuring out what you want to have happen, you've done the work for these organizations that are, that are looking to develop and grow and problem solve and innovate. And therefore, you will attract those solutions. If you only ever wait for someone to come and propose something, you've already thinned your offerings considerably. That was really interesting. But I think it was a really impactful hour. And I'm so, so glad they both came and shared that hour with us. Now, Richard Wong, I'm hoping to interview as well, um, because he spent the whole weekend not just being there, but also digging up some research and sharing information. And I'm really interested to see what impression he now has of Thunder Bay. He'd never been to Thunder Bay before at all. And this was his first experience was was this weekend at the gathering with us and, you know, a few meals with my family on either side of these long days. So I hope to interview him soon and I'll bring that to you. Which gets us to the last topic of the Saturday, which we called Connection, Stewardship, and Society. And on this one, again, we had three activities going on. Elder Sheila DeCord gathered people together as a water walker. And she introduced what water walking is and shared some blessings and activities with the people that spent that time with her. And they were very engaged. What a gift. What a gift. The Thunder Bay Field Naturalists had set out a whole table. They have initiatives, lectures, opportunities, hikes, such a range of ways to help people steward and build connection to the land. And so uh, Joanne Henderson and Thora Cartledge were there to answer questions and engage people in that group. And then we had a whole whack of people that went outside and went for a walk, led by Rob Stewart. So Rob Stewart was my guest on the podcast back in season two. And his work as an academic at Lakehead University, is figuring out how to heal our water systems of Lake Superior's water basin. He started with the lake, and now he focuses more on what feeds into the lake and all of those ecosystems. And he has been a really hands-on part of restoring the ecosystems that were right at our doorstep at the baggage building down at the marina. So he led a tour of some of the work that's been started, done, that's being planned, 
considered that could do with some extra hands if you're looking for a volunteer activity this summer. Why fly to another country? You've got lots of hands-on work that could be done here that makes such a difference in restoring and healing this land that we've impacted so profoundly. So Rob gave a tour. When I talked to Rob, I wrote him a song. And let's listen to that now. Wild souls. Wild is the secret that lets seeds grow. It knows, it knows, it heals, adopts, and grows. Wild is the secret that lets seeds grow. Come, let us face the day. Reach out, meet help halfway. Listen to wild ones say, Open, embrace the day. The caterpillar field, the end of its world, then as a And learn what wild knows. Wild is the secret that lets healing grow. It knows, it knows, it teaches, changes, grows. Wild is the secret that lets healing grow. Come, let us face the day. Reach out, meet help halfway. Listen to wild ones say, Open, embrace the day. Caterpillar field, the end of its world, then as a That was Caterpillar Fears for Rob Stewart. You can listen to that full conversation with him back in Season 2. And I'm so glad that he gave us a tour of the waterfront down at Prince Arthur's Landing and some of the work being done there to restore that ecosystem as part of the Northwest Climate Gathering 2023. And that kind of concludes Saturday. On Sunday, we started by thanking the six artists that are artists in residence at the gathering, which includes Madison Dyke, as well as Shelby Gagnon and uh, Kira Essex, Kathleen Balea, Robin Fay, and Elizabeth Pzolko, the poet. Madison's work was in designing the space and the website and all sorts of things. 
Shelby was there doing fabric art with us on the Sunday. And I will forever cherish the really cool tote bag with the original stamp on it that she cut out and I got to put to good use. Really cool. Here is photographs of the lake. She was so pumped when we recognized that as art and her as a contributing artist. Kathleen was joining us virtually and is going to be sharing with us some of the really cool things that she has percolating after being a part of the event, as will Elizabeth as a poet. And Robin was creating a visual artwork as it unfolded, as the weekend went on, uh, which we hope to showcase at a future event as well. Another excuse to all get together. What's a gathering without follow-up gatherings? You don't do a one-off gathering. At least that's the hope, as I've said right off the hop. So honoring our artists was part of what we started with on Sunday, which, by the way, was at Roots Food Community Center, which is such an amazing space, such a joy to be there. And then we split up into two parts, and there was a kitchen party going on. That's where I mostly hung out with Lucy Lavoie and Joanne Henderson and Judy Vinnie, all of whom who have insight into growing things and cooking things. So we could kind of learn and chat as we made borscht together. There was a young woman, I think she was six, in our group. And Judy pulled out of the stack of vegetables donated by Sleepy G Organic Farm, these two carrots that were twisted together. You know how they do that sometimes, like a corkscrew? And what joy, what joy this young person, well, we all got out of that carrot. But then she ate it. She ate the carrot. We didn't cut it up and put it in the borscht. It was eaten by this young person. It was a big carrot. Well, she told us about how she started worm composting in the house and how much she loved the scarlet runner beans they planted that brought the hummingbirds. And oh my goodness, she brought so much to our conversation, but so did everybody. The kitchen party was a lot of fun. Meanwhile, in the other gathering at the same time, much attention and information shared by members of Environment North. Four of them had put their heads together to walk us quickly through the saga of uh, the Sinfuel proposal. So uh, Sinfuel proposed to build a power plant uh, here in Thunder Bay that eventually they decided against, in no small part, due to the efforts of these four members of Environment North, Christy Radburn, Graham Saunders, Kirsten Muth, and Mary Veltry. And they talked about how they had used citizens' options to get information, share information, inform council of their concerns, and in fact, greatly impact what happened here in the city as engaged activists. It was such a great case study of of what can be done and, and how to go about doing it. And then after that, while we were still kitchen partying, Paul Berger took to the front and engaged people in a conversation about activism. Paul Berger, I interviewed on this podcast. He was on the steering committee with Madison and I, and a fourth person, we had Sydney Hunt join us as well to help make this whole gathering come together. When I interviewed Paul Berger, it started with a conversation about his electric vehicle. And that kind of sparked the song I wrote for him. Let's play him his song. Not so much where you've been as where you're going. How you make the most of every stop along the way. It's not so much what you own as how you know when. How you make the most of the people. 
people in your everyday Oh, the places you'll go And the places you'll be Oh, the people you'll know And the people you'll see Oh, the places you'll go And the places you'll be Oh, the people you'll know And the people you'll see Neighborhood spaces, food and conversations Neighbors who know how the neighborhood should grow Neighborhoods welcome, neighborhoods hold Neighborhoods reap what neighborhoods sow It's not so much where you've been as where you're going And how you make the most of every stop along the way it's not so much what you own as how you know when and how you make the most of the people in your everyday oh the places you'll go and the places you'll be oh the people you'll know and the people you'll see oh the places you'll go and the places you'll be all the people you'll know and the people you'll people you'll people you'll see for my conversation with paul berger a few seasons ago here on something different this way comes that was oh the places you'll go that was the morning of the sunday in the afternoon we had three more big sessions before we wrapped it up. The first one was on future food systems in the Northwest. And in fact, in that same space at Roots Community Food Center, the very next day, the Thunder Bay and Area Food Strategy presented their emergency food plan. Because, well, although we're considered a leader in Canada, here in Thunder Bay, in not just growing local food, but tracking our local food and supporting our local food in various ways, we are still incredibly vulnerable. When I talked to Thora Cartledge last season, that came up, right? How striking it is that when they crunched the numbers, if we didn't have food being imported into this city from other places, we would run out of food in a matter of days, a matter of days. So on the one hand, we're considered a leader in Canada in local food production and tracking and support. On the other hand, only a few days worth of food. What the heck is that about? We're a breadbasket, right? Doesn't, doesn't Canada feed the world? But Canada is a colony. And the colonies were set up kind of like company stores. This is my take on it. One of the ways to impose control over what had previously been sustainable and healthy economies was to take their capacity to feed themselves away and make food be something that had to get shipped around the world and really only gave secure income to the person doing the shipping, not to the person growing the food, not to the person eating the food. And we in Canada are still very much, I think, far from recovering from that system of vulnerability. Because what happens with a company store is you accept a job at a place that the company provides everything, your housing, your food, your job, your schooling, and it looks like a great deal initially, but it does have 
that narrow opening through which all these things happen. And therefore, it can very often be easy for you to become permanently indebted to that company store, malnourished due to that company store, uneducated due to that company store. It can be a bait and switch. And in Canada, we we do have more food than we need and still have more hungry than anybody can sleep good at night about. So in our hour to talk about food futures, there is so much to talk about. And Sarah Siska, who's the coordinator of the Thunder Bay and Area Food Strategy, she she gathered up a few friends, a few uh, allies, a few staff to support conversations, really delving into what's going on with food here. Where are the opportunities? What are the risks? What do we have to overcome in order to do better? And in the meantime, Brendan Grant gathered up a group of people as a kind of split out session to talk about the proposal he made first on on this podcast in my very first season, which I I rebroadcast that interview last week. What he would love to see is us here locally putting our money where our mouth is, literally, and coming up with a way to locally finance more people farming, just more people farming, more land growing food that is eaten here, and more people gaining the skills and sufficient support and tools to do what needs to be done. Everybody knows what needs to be done. It's financing it that's hard to really build more local calories on plates, food. And he had a good crowd of people interested in pursuing that further. I really hope more comes of that. It was really exciting to see how much energy it sparked in the room. The topic after that was not unrelated. After talking about food, how to grow more, and how to address the incredible amount of hunger in our wealthy nation and our wealthy city, we had another conversation about insufficiency in the face of wealth. We called it social justice futures. And the two people who put in the time to try to figure out how to fit that giant topic into an hour were Tracy McKinnon and Thora Cartledge. They had a wonderful deck of facts and questions to really clarify how we as citizens of the city are kind of on a range from very secure to very insecure and all the spaces in between. They focused quite a bit on housing to spark conversations about when the crises happen, when this climate crisis means extreme weather really pounds the city with a heat dome or a deluge or a giant snowstorm or something that interrupts services and maybe food, who gets impacted first? And what can we do now to mitigate that risk of tragedy? Because we're not doing enough already add additional stresses, and it's, it's tragedy upon tragedy. A very difficult topic. It can feel kind of far from how do we address the climate crisis, but in fact, it's right at the heart of it. It's that same colonial heritage of feeling like we are disposable as human beings. Any of us could lose all value and be treated like unwelcome burdens instead of precious neighbors. It was a difficult topic. To make it even harder, though, Tracy McKinnon got sick, another of our presenters who couldn't make it at the last minute. But unlike the ones I've mentioned before, it was just she and Thora for that hour. So Thora tried to manage without her, but obviously missed her quite a bit. So hopefully we can do a follow-up something and be able to hear more from Tracy's perspective and build on this really important topic so we can envision what good looks like 
and start to identify opportunities to draw in resources and overcome obstacles and get closer to that good. And farther from this, not good enough. Really not good enough. Now, I did interview Thora, as I mentioned, in Season 3 of Something Different This Way Comes. And here's the song that conversation inspired. Imagine the kindness economy Imagine it here now for you and me Imagine, imagine Imagine the kindness economy Imagine it here now for you and me Imagine, imagine Innovate, new solutions Innovate, cool technology Innovate, new solutions Cool technology Invest, redevelop, invest, revolutionize, invest, redevelop, revolutionize. Imagine the kindness economy, imagine it here now for you and me. So the last topic, before we called it a wrap, was big community projects. Because the thinking was that after all of these topics, there might be some themes reoccurring, reoccurring of things that we would like to see happen that would need some real community support. They, they wouldn't just happen because one person decided it was a good idea. They'd need some coordination of effort and garnering of support. But what do you need to know if you want to turn an idea into an achieved project? The two people we asked to lead this were bringing back Summer Stevenson from the city and Richard Wong. And how they decided to split us up to really parse this topic was Summer led a conversation about what can we do without money? Which makes me think of Judy Vinnie. At the end of the podcast I did drawing on 
uh, the conversations led at the gathering that I hosted back in June to help spark and inform this season. Judy says, when you look at all the ideas people had, so many of them are free. They're just changing how we do things in our day-to-day lives. They're gardening. They're saying hello to each other. They're showing up and volunteering. They're very impactful things, but they're not about big ticket items and dollars and cents. But that wasn't really the focus that Summer had. Summer's talk was, if we don't have any new money, there's no money to spend on things, how do we support what we want to see happen? What are the things you can do that don't require new money and new projects? I didn't really sit in on that session, so I can't go too deeply into it. I tried instead to join in Richard's topic, which was, where is the money? Where's the money? And it was really interesting because it was the same idea of if you can come up with what you as a city want to accomplish. And the example he gave was Sault Ste. Marie. And I'm going to talk to him more about how that city, that smaller than Thunder Bay city, managed to attract and build enormous you know, wind farms and alternate energy projects that make living in that city much more affordable for the people there. And their contributions to their grid, so very green and ahead of the curve. It's really cool how that makes him think of Thunder Bay. Well, I mean, what do we want to do here? And if we know what we want to do and we can market ourselves as open for business that supports those goals, the money will come. The money is out there. The money is anxious, anxiously looking for places to flourish and be invested. So that was really interesting and inspiring. And then it was time to wrap it all up. And in the great big wrap-up, there were several things that came forward from book clubs to reaching out to City Council now and talking about what elements of the strategies they have in place we really want to see funded in the budget talks that are going on right now. They're talking about budgets right now training so we can get better skills as community activists and learn from one another as a kind of commitment inspired by Kevin Brooks. Kevin had come back by then. He led that wrap-up. And I just talked to Kevin earlier this season. He helped shape this weekend so much as somebody who thinks about community organizing and social justice as his day-to-day job. But he also thinks about, you know, the free stuff the incredible magic to be had when we approach our lives differently and with more joy and more rootedness in our impact on our day-to-day lives. In fact, let me play you the song that I wrote for Kevin.
Inspired by my conversation with Kevin Brooks earlier this season, that was Grow Dirt. And that's about it for my tour of the Northwest Climate Gathering 2023 Hope and Action. I do want to put a special thank out to Betty Karpik, who I have also interviewed on this show. She helped wrap up season one with such impact. She wasn't able to be there on the weekend. But she had a big part in us trying to ensure the weekend included and welcomed those who weren't there to be loud and noisy activists, but were very committed to transformative change in their day-to-day lives and everyday choices. She wanted to give a presentation called Give a Darn, 
where she'd teach people how to darn as a quiet activity that really does make a difference. Maybe we'll get to have a chance to do a give a darn with Betty in the coming year or next year's episode. If we do get to do another episode, that would be so amazing. Another person I want to give a shout out to is my cousin, Bill Martin, who I mention often on the show because he has been such an important supporter. He listens closely. He tells me what he's thinking. He's so positive and supportive to me. And at the conclusion of season one, for which I wrote the theme song, but which I did not ever finish another song for. I just doodled a bit to give us a transition. When I felt a break was needed, I would just make up a little something and pop it in there. And Bill was like, can you please finish me a song? Just finish a song. (laughs) And so he got me going. And that's why there's so many songs to share with you is Bill Martin. And the first song that I finally finished, the one that I uh, feature in episode one of season two is this one. Less mowing, more growing, less mowing, more growing, less mowing, more growing, less mowing, more Growing, growing our mothers, growing the wild, growing the ways we help our relatives thrive. Growing our mothers, growing the wild, growing the ways we help our relatives thrive. Let's mowing. More growing, less mowing, more growing, growing our people, growing our land, growing the way we make our neighbors strong, growing our people, growing our land and growing the way we make our neighbors strong less mowing more growing less mowing more growing More growing, less mowing, more growing, growing our food, growing our energy, growing our listening ears and our community, growing our food, our food, growing our energy, growing our listening ears and our community. Let's mowing, more growing, let's mowing, more growing, let's mowing.
more growing less mowing and more growing growing our knowledge willing to change growing our courage as we open our hearts growing our knowledge willing to change growing our courage as we open our hearts less mowing oh my more growing less mowing more growing oh yes less mowing more growing less less mowing and more growing with thanks to bill martin that was less mowing more growing so there you have it bit of a tour of the Northwest Climate Gathering 2023. Here's hoping it's the first of a few, if not of many. Depends on who steps forward to help make it happen again. And I hope maybe that includes you. That'd be so cool. With this podcast, I do hope to have a few more episodes for you before we're done this season. And I hope you tune in too. My name's Heather McLeod and this is a one-woman show finance, I write, I produce, I edit, I even compose all those songs you just heard. And I really appreciate when you let me know that you're listening and that you like it. Go to www.somethingdifferentthiswaycomes.ca and let me know you came by. Join the newsletter. Something different this way comes something Something different, something different, something different, this way comes something, something different, something different.